0: To inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast this week is Mark Organ, founder and executive chairman of Influitive.
1: I like to not follow the crowd. Be remarkable, be contrarian. Want to go away from where the herd is. I realized working at Eloqua was how important it was to have your customers doing more of the work for you, more of the sales and marketing work, especially. When you had multiple referrals and references and case studies and all these things, you know, the sales cycle would go down by like 90% plus. You'd have these plus. deals that would close in four days instead of the usual four months, because there's a ton of advocacy all over it. Sales cycle is critical, right? Where most of the cash flow, potential cash flow, is tied up in a software company is in people who are not able to make a decision. And the best way to get people to make a decision is to surround them with relevant people who are all saying how great the
0: company is, how great the product is, how great the people are. This is Mark. He's an entrepreneurial go-to market specialist a CEO with a focus on sales, marketing, and business development. His greatest professional passions include creating new, billion-dollar categories in technology and developing new leaders. Today he's helping CEOs achieve their full potential in their business and their lives. Marcus founded six companies, amongst which Eloqua, which was later acquired by Oracle. He raised more than 15 rounds of financing, helping a lot of people realize their dreams, and got specialized in creating cultures that are a competitive advantage. He's also the author of the book, The Messenger is the Message. In September 2010, he found it influitive, based on the idea that the most successful sales and marketing comes from advocates. That inspired me, and hence I invited Mark to my podcast. We explore the challenge that many software businesses have in getting customers to reference them, how that is driving everybody crazy, and what needs to change approach-wise to solve that. We also dig deep into Mark's experience to create new categories that deliver remarkable impact. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things, firstly, how the best innovation is created if you embrace curiosity and dare to bring in ideas and people from totally different domains, secondly, why you should fall in love with your target market instead of your product, in order to create an impact that turns customers into advocates, and thirdly, that focusing your time on turning your advocates into superheroes is the secret that will ultimately turn you into a superhero. Mark, thank you very much for making the time today and yeah, being a guest on my podcast.
1: Ah, oh, It's my pleasure, Sean. Look forward to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I found you on, I'm not sure actually where and how it actually happened, but I realized that you were founder of a company called Influitive. And while I was doing my research to find those compelling ideas about the value we can unlock when technology and people plant it in the right way. I figured out that Influid is exactly doing that. So that's what we're going to talk about in this call, a lot about uh, the ideas behind it. But before we start, if you would describe yourself in two or three words, what would that be?
1: Huh. Describe myself in two or three words. Well, maybe I, might, I suppose two or three words, I make sort of two or three ideas. So one, I like to think of myself as a first principles thinker. I like to not follow the crowd, but try to think for myself and you know, be remarkable, be contrarian. Maybe that's a second word I would choose, right? I I think that the if you want to build a great software company, truly great company, you want to be contrarian and right. So again, you want to go away from where the herd is, but you somehow have to be right where everyone else is wrong, which is not that easy to do. But I think with a focused effort, I think, you know, I think that you could do that. And maybe a third word I would choose, a third idea is empowering. I do love the idea of building a whole network of leaders, people who can go on and empower other people to do great things. And it's something I've always strived to do in, in my companies.
0: Oh, fantastic. The right person to talk to you. Are, this is close to my heart as well. So that's what we have a like here. So, Influitive, a company that started. If I'm right, nine years ago, right? That's right. So 2010. So yeah, about nine and a half years ago. Exactly. Uh, so what I'm always intrigued about is like, what started it? What is the big idea behind the company?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Such a great question, especially just given, you know, your interest around remarkable companies and, and my interest around categories, creating, you know, category dominating companies. The idea for Influidive actually came from a previous company that I founded, a company called Eloqua, which was mm-hmm. you know, category discoverer in, in marketing automation. I founded that together with some other amazing people back in January 2000, really the original marketing automation software company, uh, founded you know, seven years before Marketo and, and HubSpot and other great companies in that space, and what I realized working at Eloqua was how important it was to have your customers doing more of the work for you more of the sales and marketing work especially and you know when when you had multiple referrals and references and case studies and all these things you know the sales cycle would go down by like 90 percent plus you know we'd have these deals that would close in four days instead of the usual four months because there's a ton of advocacy all over it And that's important. A lot of people don't realize that Eloqua was a bootstrapped company for many years before raising money. So sales cycle is critical, right? Where most of the cash flow, potential cash flow, is tied up in a software company is in people who are not able to make a decision. And the best way to get people to make a decision is to surround them with relevant people who are all saying how great the company is, how great the product is, how great the people are. So that was a big insight, and, and it wasn't that easy to systematically get your happy customers to do that advocacy, is what, we've, what we learned. And it really wasn't until we created an event called the Marquees, so which is not named after me, my name is Mark, but it was actually named after marketing. <laughs> it wasn't until we created that event, and you know, we had these people that were you know, winning trophies and feeling great about their contribution, and they had responded by giving us lots of advocacy we didn't even ask for. And that's really where the light bulb went off for me, that by giving people the experiences that they're looking for, by giving people the, the feelings that they wanted, they responded by feeling respected and appreciated and you know, all these sorts of feelings, they responded back by giving us very valuable advocacy. So that was really the light bulb moment for me. And subsequently, I'd also seen how the process of advocating isn't really very pleasurable. You know, a lot of people, they give a referral, and they don't know how the process of that referral is gone. You know, did it result in a lead or not? You know, setting up time for reference calls is not always a pleasurable activity, nor is making reviews. And so my big idea was, can we make the experience of advocating way more pleasurable? Can we make it more rewarding? Can we make it more fun? And if we do, then maybe we'll get a lot more advocacy as a result and have seen how valuable it is. So that was really the big idea behind intuitive And in fact, every company that I've built really has come from an idea from my, my pain
0: from a previous company, actually. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what it's all about at the end. It's like solving a, a pain that is highly valuable if you solve it, highly urgent for someone to solve it. And at the end, if you then can make a difference or exceed expectations on it, then you created a category in your own right. That's fun. And I like also how you phrase this all, and I've seen it on your website, making customer engagement fun and rewarding for everyone. So tell me a little bit about, don't have to talk about what is the opportunity if you get this right. It's like you mentioned all of those pain points already. Tell me how this works with products. I mean, what have you done differently here? than? Yeah, yeah
1: that's another good question. Because I think it's, it's really important to do things differently. And I think, I think the first thing you'll see when you look at the influitive product is it doesn't look like, Any other community product that you've ever seen, you know, community software has been around for more than 20 years. You know, I remember Salesforce.com's lithium-based community that that they started in 2001. I mean, this stuff's been around a long, long, long time. And for the most part, it's pretty boring, right? When you look at your typical community software, it's got a bunch of forums and discussions and a bunch of content and whatnot whereas our software looks like a game. And in fact, the more game-like we made it and the more entertaining we made it, the better it performed. And this is from some of my insight before I had founded Influitive. I was involved with a social gaming company. I was on the board and, and I invested in a social gaming company and just saw the power of games to engage people and even addict people in a positive way. And so a lot of those same ideas around gaming, you will notice, In the influtive community, you'll see lots of little videos, you'll see tons of customer engagement and user engagement, and that's probably one of the biggest differences there. It doesn't look like a piece of enterprise software at all. And I think the other thing you'll see is that it is a marriage of two big ideas. One I mentioned is community, so the idea of getting your customers into a space online for them to interact. But then the second big idea is to provide an advocacy, you know, marketing and management platform. So, we make it fun and game-like and rewarding for people to do what it is. It actually comes really natural for them when they have a product or company or a set of people that they really love, and that is to advocate for them. So really reducing that friction, to both well, reducing the friction, making it a lot easier, but also make, on the other side, making it more fun and rewarding by giving points and badges and levels and, and interactions and, you know, connections with senior people at the company, yeah. all kinds of ways to make it more rewarding as well. Yeah, Those are some of the unique ideas behind the, the
0: product. And yeah, what you typically see, of course, is always that an advocate is always approached as the advocate by itself. Like this customer is really a fan of ours and we have to treat him right or I have to treat her right. But you actually add them to a community so they actually are around like-minded people as well that are fans of the product. And as a consequence, I would say, they get even more value from that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point, right? And I think the, the bigger point behind that, so so the point that you're making is that it's, it's a lot more fun when you do things with a like-minded group, right? Yeah. You know, you could go, for example, you know, Netherlands is, is a big soccer, football playing country. You can go as a single fan, you know, to a football game and it's fun. But if you go with 10 of your friends <laughs> and you're all cheering for the same team, you know, that makes it a lot more fun, right? There's a, so, there's a social psychology principle behind that. And I think that's the other thing that's special about the Included product is that it has best practices in social psychology and motivational psychology that are built into it. And some of that comes from my background. A long time ago, before I created a software company, is I was a neuroscience PhD candidate. So, you know, I'm very interested in, in what motivates people to do, to do what they do. And that, that, was the, that was the question I wanted to answer when I started the company was how do we motivate people to do a lot more of what actually comes naturally to them. We don't want to convince them to do something they don't want to do. True. Um, but how do we get them to spend a little more time to create you know, high-quality advocacy? And so we use a lot of best practices in, in psychology in order to do that.
0: Fun. And I'd love to see the product, by the way. So, I mean, along the way of developing it, it's been, it's been around for a while now. What have been decisions that have be, appear to be really important to what the product is today
1: yeah that's a great question so yeah i'll talk about product i'll also talk a little bit about business model because and i think increasingly business model and product are really interwoven together and it's not that easy to tease them apart but probably the one of the most important decisions that we made really was to embrace the best ideas in gaming and other consumer like technologies to the point where i mean i even went you know we started very much with a b2b enterprise software type mindset, and the product was doing okay, but it it wasn't until we actually brought in a bunch of crazy gaming people from Asia, (laughs) there's a long story behind that.
0: Let me make a small interruption here. Mark has made an excellent remark about how Influitive has married the best concept from the gaming and consumer technologies with the concept of B2B software in order to create new value possibilities, defensible differentiation, and as you will hear in a minute, a transformation in culture. What Mark did with Influorative highlights two traits of a remarkable software business. They aim to be different, not better. And they create new value possibilities, rather than incrementally improve what's already there. And you can master those traits as well. And to make the first step, I'd recommend you to buy my book, The Remarkable Effect. Reading this book will give you the insights on the 10 traits of a remarkable software business, including the two we just discussed. It will also give you a framework of three levers that... When used together, will enable you to exponentially grow the impact of your software business. You can buy The Remarkable Effect on any portal where they sell books online. Back to the interview.
1: But remember I told you I was involved with a social gaming company? Well, that company actually kind of blew up because Facebook changed its algorithms and the way their feed worked. And we brought a number of these people from, you know, who've never worked in B2B before ever. They were pure gaming people from Asia in Singapore and Pakistan. And we actually brought them to Toronto and integrated them into our company. At one point, you know, half of our company were these people. And mm-hmm. they completely changed our culture. They changed our culture to really embrace much more of these consumer ideas, which you know, in general I would say that the consumer software world leads the business software world by like two to six years. Yeah, so a lot of ideas around you know A B testing certain features. You know, again, putting in lots of little engagement features into the product, making it really effortless for companies to get going with it without requiring any training. You know, these are concepts that are really critical in the consumer world and in, in gaming. And that was probably one of the smartest decisions that we made were to invite these people into the company and to have them transform our, not just our, our product, but transform our culture to be a much more of a consumer oriented culture. So that was a big idea. I mean, another big idea was and maybe moving away from that. Is we actually started as a freemium company, and we moved away from freemium because we found was you know, adopting advocate marketing into a company was a big decision that was much bigger than just adopting a piece of software. It was adopting a different mindset, right? The mindset was, we are going to win by delighting our customers and mobilizing them to do more of our marketing for us. That's the big idea behind the company. And that's a, that's a mind shift change. That is like enterprise level initiative or imperative. So, you know, giving away the software for free for a while until it hits certain performance benchmarks didn't really make a lot of sense. So when we started to charge more money up front and, you know, encourage our customers to put their best people on the with the advocate marketing initiative, not like their interns, <laughs> which uh-huh. is what you get if. You know, if you're, if you're going to do a freemium product you know, you're not going to get a director of marketing working on it. They're going to get the intern. So that was a good decision. And that started to get the revenue really moving up into the right quite quickly. I think a third big decision was to fully embrace the community market, which we had, re- we had pushed off for a long time. You know, we had a, a number of our customers that said, you know, we really want to run our whole community on your software, not just the advocates, not just our very best yeah, customers. Yeah, so. And we resisted that because we didn't want to be like a Zendesk or even like a lithium or Salesforce community. We really wanted to be special and different, but ultimately we did decide to embrace it. And I think that was a smart idea Why? because every, I think every customer has a little bit of advocate in them. They're not necessarily a super advocate, but they have the potential to be a greater advocate than they are. And having one place to have, you know, your community, I think was a smart move. While still integrating with other, you know, communities that a company might have, you know, they might have a Zendesk, they might have a Salesforce community, especially for support, you know, we'll integrate with that, you know, we'll embrace that to create, you know, but to, but to create much more of a holistic community idea, Uh I think was a good idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end, it becomes like, how do you move a customer that is satisfied up to become the advocate? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, we were talking before the call a little bit about net promoter score and, you know, NPS is a, obviously it's a huge idea that, you know, almost every software company that I know, you know, subscribes to. But, you know, when you ask the question, so what are you doing about your promoters? Those people who are nines and tens are, you know, what are you doing to get more value out of them? And in fact, if you talk to the NPS people, like Fred Reichheld who was at our first conference uh, called Advocant, that's the advocate marketing conference that, that Influitive hosts, And Fred Reicheld was our very first keynote speaker. You know, one of his points was that, you know, NPS was not really designed to be a customer satisfaction score. It really is much more about leveraging the full power of promoters or what we call the advocates. And that's, you know, the big payoff that you get from satisfying your customers. The biggest payoff is with your advocates. Like the power of advocates to generate new business in an efficient way for companies is just remarkable, it's so powerful.
0: Yeah, that's true. The problem at the end is that too many organizations have too little advocates and therefore these advocates get worn out. <laughs> so it's... Yeah, no, that's
1: a, good, that's a good point. And especially they get worn out if they're not enjoying their experience, right? Exactly. In fact, that, that is how I, I got my very, very first customer at included I got my very first customer from this phenomenon that you just mentioned. So I had the idea for Influitive. At this time, it was just an idea. And I had like really lousy PowerPoint. That's all I had. And I went to go visit Phil Fernandez, who was my competitor, who used to be my old competitor, right, CEO of uh, Marketo. And I was CEO of Influitive. But now we're friends, right? So I came to see Phil and I talked to him about my idea. And he's like, Mark, this is a brilliant idea. I need to call someone on the phone right now that you need to speak with. And so he called a teen Swo. Teen is the CEO of Zuora you might recognize uh-huh. that. Completely. And he said, "Teen, you got to meet with Mark because you're driving me nuts. I mean, every <laughs> month, it feels like three days before a board meeting, someone's calling for Zuora begging me to get on the phone with a prospect to help you close a deal. And I'm being worn out and Mark's got a better idea. And that actually became my first customer at Zuora where you know we signed up much more of the Zora advocates to and a much wider base of them and make and make it more fun like whereas with yep. Phil you know it was just being asked for favors all the time True. instead you know changing the dynamic so instead of asking for favors you want to do favors for your advocates right you want to yep. help them yep. which is another big idea behind Influidive. we want to help advocates get to where they want to go in life they want to get on stage they want to become famous they want to increase their compensation they want their mother to be proud of them, okay? They want yeah. all these things. And part of your job, I think, as a company is to help your advocates experience more of what they want to feel.
0: Sure. Um, and, and an advocate community can help you do that. Fantastic. Now You talked about a couple of the decisions that were really important. What have been the toughest decisions you had to make to stop something or to, or to actually do it?
1: Oh, man. There's a, certainly a lot, of, there's a lot of tough decisions. That that we made. I mean, one that comes to mind immediately is is actually my decision to step down as CEO of Infleuda. We haven't covered that, but a few just a few months ago, I made the decision to step down as CEO. We brought in a phenomenal CEO named Dan McCall, who's running the company day to day. I'm I'm now chairman of the board, still involved that way, and you know did that because I felt like as our company is is in the mid teens in ARR, it was time for a stronger operational leader to come in. I also wanted to spend more time with my family and I've been in for nine years. I really think that, you know, nine's pushing it. I think sort of seven to eight years is really about the right amount of time for a CEO to run the company before some new fresh ideas I think are valuable. So that's probably the decision that's sort of top of my mind right now. And for any of the founders who are listening to this and you're wondering if you're still the right person to run the company, then you know feel free to connect with me on linkedin and happy to give you my you know my thoughts on that you know a couple of other decisions that were really difficult oh let's see you know i think another one was we made a decision to not really work with small businesses you know yeah. anymore so you know we established a floor on mrr that we decided we wouldn't go go beneath and that was tough because I really love serving small businesses like me personally. I really love helping a little guy. But, you know, in our business, really the bulk of the profit really does come from our enterprise customers. So, you know, I think by focusing more, we're able to drive more value. I think that's a principle that you talk about in yep. your well, yep. There's probably a number of focused decisions that we had to to make. And in hindsight, and probably every CEO will say this, in hindsight, I wish I made those focused decisions sooner than I did. And, yeah. But, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. 20
0: Well, that's, that's at the end of the case. And it's, it goes back to yeah, what do you see, what do you don't see? <laughs> and how do you see whether, whether you're on the right track? And you already mentioned the, in your, your three, the three principles behind you or the three words to describe you is to get is right. And the other thing we talked about, one of my other podcast guests, Paul at the end, Paul, Paul Toshima from Nutch, Great idea, but his company at the end didn't make it also because of the fact that he couldn't find his ideal customer sweet spot. And that is so critical to get right.
1: It's the most important thing to get right. Honestly, you know, we spent a lot of time on this call talking about product, but you know, I think we could have spent, you know, just as much time or more time talking about the target. Market the target, exactly, yeah. for a target user. You know, I think so many entrepreneurs. You know, and I know Paul very well. He was you know sort of quasi co-founder with me at Eloqua along with Steve Woods. You know, and both those guys are product guys and very very good ones. You know, but you know, I feel like it's much more important as an entrepreneur as a founder to fall in love with your target market and really understand them in great detail, because it's really only there you can be contrarian and right. Like that's how you're contrarian and right. Yes. How can you be right when 99% of people disagree with you? and And they're smart. They're smart people, right? Well, it's because if you're willing to do more work, if you're willing, like I interviewed over 800 super advocates before I started my company. I knew these people really well. And so when someone would say, like, I don't think you can make advocacy that much fun. It's just, it's a chore. It's something, you know, it's something that you do for a company because they ask you to. I'm like, you know, that's not true, actually. That's not true. You can make it fun. You can make it pleasurable. You can make it more rewarding. And I know that because I've interviewed these people and I understand them at a great level of detail. And honestly, I wish more founders would spend more time before they start mocking up anything, any product at all that they get to know their target market their target customer is such a fine level of detail that they they know them better than they know themselves and and yeah. i think that's where brilliant product insight actually comes from it comes from knowing that that target market so i hope that's something that people take away i just think it's so important if you want an outsized success in software business
0: yeah yeah it's not about the demographics as such that's that's how it starts sometimes yeah it it's goes about really
1: it's about needs and attitudes, right? It's about exactly. a distinct needs and attitudes that, you know, which is what, what we found, right? With customer marketers, we found a new breed of customer marketers that, you know, didn't just want to connect the prospects together with references, which is sort of the old world and, and, you know, put together these stock case studies. There's a new breed of customer marketers out there that their belief was more about making advocates into superheroes, and giving them a stage for them to do what it is that they wanted to do. And we built our company at Influidive around those people, around these special customer marketers who saw a big vision for themselves. And ultimately, now you find this breed of customer marketer is everywhere. Like they're dominant at there. Mm-hmm. And so fundamentally, that is our insight at Influidive. I think it's one of the things that makes the company special. And you know, Eloqua too, right? Like we built our business at Eloqua around our understanding of the demand gen professional and how much that was changing and how having a measurable, repeatable process for generating demand was was becoming a much more standard process. And all yeah. we really did at Eloqua, honestly, is just elevate and celebrate these people, these demand gen people who became powerful and numerous. And now today, most CMOs in the software business actually have a background in demand gen. It's something I'm proud of, you know, sort of being part of Inclusive. So hopefully you got some category creating people on this, podcast who are excited about building not just a great company but building a whole ecosystem a big powerful idea you know in software there's so many new categories yet to be discovered and hopefully people will be so inspired to go
0: and do that well that's exactly also what i try to fuel with my book at the end so (laughs) we're speaking to the same people here to the same idea let me see talking about growth and creating momentum which is another big part of what i believe is where you have to do specific things. What has been, or maybe what still is, what is holding you back to creating the growth that you aspire for and the momentum you are is you aspire for with the company?
1: Yeah, and that's interesting because I'm, again, I'm no longer the day-to-day leader mm-hmm. in the company. But yes, I mean, the, the, you know, the friction for me to get to where it is that I wanted to go is, is part of the reason for me stepping down. You know, I think that one of the biggest challenges that we had in Fluidive, in fact, every community software company has the same problem. And that is user churn. It's so not only a customer churn, but user churn. So, you know, the managing, driving and managing a community is not an easy thing. And, you know, you've got a tribe of your own, right? That you're trying starting to just you. it. Yeah. You just started it and you're going to see it's not, you know, it's not easy. It's, it's a bit of a black art and maybe you'll hire somebody. You'll bring on a great, Community manager to help you, but and your community will prosper. But you know, if he or she goes, you know, often the community can go into disrepair for a little while. And that's a problem that really plagues the whole space. And so the big initiative that that we're working on at Influitive is called called the Influitive Institute. And we are the goal is to train tens of thousands of people in advocate and community marketing. You know, such that you know companies can really not fear that they're gonna have high quality people to help build and run their advocate communities. This is really taking a page out of HubSpot's book. No one's done it better than HubSpot. They've done a great job of this with their inbound university. In fact, it was really my conversation with a board member at HubSpot who said, you know, this is a secret weapon of HubSpot. It's underappreciated is how good we are at training and certifying people. To not just use our software, not just use our product, but actually to, to do, you know, inbound marketing, growth marketing. So that's a huge initiative, but and I think it's one of the things that will unlock the so much potential out of this market. Again, not just Influitive's growth, but the whole category's growth. And you know, Influitive is the category creator in, in advocate marketing and advocate communities. And so as a result, you know, we take care of the whole category. Everyone needs to prosper in a space, you know, not just us. And, uh,
0: the rising tide, you know, we'll, we'll float all the boats. Interesting that you do there. That's like truly, uh, yeah, this big thinking there. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned my book and called The Remarkable Effect and it's about the 10 traits of a remarkable software company. And you've, you've started a couple and you have obviously will have an opinion about it. What do you believe is the secret to, to create a remarkable software company? What are the one or two things that you absolutely have to nail?
1: Yeah, I love it. I mean it's the whole idea of remarkable company is is something I believe in so much. You know, I was I've really been influenced by books like Positioning from Reeves and Trout. Yeah. You know, the Seth Godin's purple cow thing, you know, exactly. like the the need the need to be special and different is critical. And the reason why I believe it, it actually goes back to my understanding of the brain. I'm a neuroscience guy by background and I know human brain doesn't have capacity to know really more than one or two ideas in, in any particular category. Right. I mean, you know, do you know the fourth best or fifth best CRM company or car company or airplane, (laughs) like, or airport or anything like, no, you don't know that. We know the number one and maybe number two, that's about it. So it is really, really important to be, to be unique. And, and probably my favorite way of doing that is just to build remarkability into the company itself. Like that's one of the things that right I've to done say so. developed. Yeah, so the idea here is that, you know, pretty much everything at Influitive. you know, we'll see what the new guy does. About You know, Dan's making some changes for sure. But, you know, at least while I was running the company, I mean, every process at Influitive had to have something remarkable in it, had to have something special. And people just began to learn, like they would present you know me with their idea and they would say and here's my x factor you know my x factor cool. with how we're going to do this process is we're doing it this way and no one else does it this way so i think that's one thing is just to engineer that in where where you have everybody thinking about differentiation and it's not differentiation just for the sake of differentiation right it's it's differentiation that truly moves the meter in terms of the user experience yeah the customer experience right so you know, if you have a process for how you're going to order lunch in your company, well, you do have a customer and a user. There's the people who are eating the lunch, right? How are you going to do something different and special for them? And so that's one of my favorite ways, you know, is just to, to engineer that right, right in from the start. Probably, I think a second thing that really comes to mind is to, to have a deep sense of mission, you know i like in the category creator it, a lot of it has is a lot in common with building a new religion <laughs> okay it's a, <laughs> you're trying to build something that is going to attract true missionaries who believe in the core of their being right that what they are doing with you is right it's right and it's just and it just makes all the sense in the world right at Influitive, the big idea is your customers should do more of the sales and marketing work for you because they're more effective at it. You know, your job as a company is to delight your customers so much that they go out and they, cause they're more effective sales and marketing people and even customer success people than you'll ever be. Right? And people believe, they really, really believe that. Like they really believe that to the core of their being. And you know, so, so I think it's important to establish, you know, what you're for, what you're against You know, think about Salesforce with their no software thing, right? At Influtiv, we're against crappy sales brochures. We're against bad ads, right? All that crappy, interrupting marketing, companies talking about themselves, we're against that. We're against companies talking about themselves too much. What we like, what we're for, are people's happy customers talking about the company. And so, you know, having a strong sense of for and against, again, very much like a religion, it drives true belief, and true belief is really valuable, right? It helps company true. grow faster, helps company grow more efficiently because yeah. you're retaining your best people, you're retaining your best customers, you're generating new customers for less cost, you're more efficient. Everything works better when you have true believers in your company. So, yeah, I'm a fan of
0: that idea. Fantastic. I'm glad you brought it up. And it's indeed, people always think about, you know, How can we do something remarkable and and do things like the big companies do? And you don't have to be a big company to do something remarkable. I I actually think it's easier to be small and do something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the big challenge is for big companies to be remarkable. It's hard. How, as a big company, do you have the agility of a startup? You know, in some big companies, you know, Amazon, I think, has managed to do that in some ways. I think Salesforce has figured out how to keep itself young. But you're right. As a startup, you do have that, a bit of that remarkability kind of built in. Just the fact that you exist is kind of remarkable in itself.
0: Exactly. Well, it's part of my community, the whole community atmosphere. And the daily habit that I have on Monday is called Remarkable Monday. And I mean, it's also something I promote in my book that actually people start to create this habits and, and, and enable anyone at any position of their company to, to think on the Monday morning, like what is the one thing this week I can be remarkable at? or do something remarkable. And that's how it starts. The fun. Yeah, we're we are already uh, past half the hour, I realize right now. But it's been fun talking to you. One thing, if you could give one piece of advice to CEOs and founders out there to do different, to think different, or to challenge themselves with, what would that be?
1: A lot of things come to mind. But one that does come to mind, particularly as what I did mention, is I'm working as a CEO coach now. And so I coach a number of remarkable CEOs from all over the world, four different continents. And one of the things that I find myself coaching them most often these days is to communicate more emotionally. (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting, we have these very sophisticated, you know, computers on top of our shoulders. And we're very good at processing, you know, lots of information. But the way that humans make decisions is with a evolutionarily much more ancient part of their brain. Call it the lizard brain. And that lizard brain is actually not accessible to language. It is an emotional thing, right? This is the amygdala and the hippocampus in the brain. And that is what makes decisions. That is the part of the brain that convinces us to stay at a company, that convinces us to buy, to buy a product and all kinds of other good things. And so what I would encourage a lot of CEOs to do differently is to think about their audience and how to move them emotionally, how to move them so that they truly believe, you know, in what they're saying, what they're doing. And I think it's a challenging thing, you know, for, it's a challenging thing for a lot of CEOs. And frankly, it wasn't until I started learning a lot more about, about psychology and around what motivates people that I started to communicate differently. Probably more, we don't have the space to really go into this in, in, in a great deal of depth. But I just leave it at that. Human beings are moved emotionally. And so the more CEOs can understand emotion and how it works and how to communicate that way, I think the more successful they will actually be at their job. Because ultimately, I think the most important thing for a CEO to do is to inspire people, True. is to transfer confidence to people. That's their employees, their customers, their partners. You know, even shareholders, even their vendors to some degree. And so the key to unlocking those folks is their emotional brain.
0: Yeah, well said. And I applaud for that. So what's next for you?
1: Yeah, so yeah. So what's next for me is I'm building an amazing community of category creating CEOs. And right now I'm coaching them directly. But soon there's a whole big community that's going to pop up around people that are excited about this idea of not just creating a big company, but creating a category, yeah. creating an ecosystem. So that's what is next for me. So any CEOs that are listening in, and if you're between, you know, 1 million and, and 20 million ARR, and you want to get to 100 million by building your category, please get in touch with me and maybe there's a fit for, for coaching. And then for anybody excited about motivating your customers to, to doing more of the sales and marketing work for you, I'd encourage you to check out Influidive. Even if you don't buy an Influidive product, that's okay. We have tons and tons of free resources, blog posts, ebooks. What we care about at Influidive is that, is that you buy into this idea, that you do a better job of making your customers happy and mobilizing them. So please do come visit Influidive.com. Check out the resources page and there's lots of free resources for
0: you we'd love to have more people joining our movement fantastic and how can people reach out to you to connect to you and to say hi
1: so a bunch of different ways so linkedin is a good one and especially if you put a little introduction in, in and that you heard me on this podcast I'll, i will absolutely accept your invitation i'm also on twitter at mark all one word i'm uh, at mark at influitive.com shoot you by email lots of different ways to reach me and yeah I do look forward to hearing from you
0: Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much for this inspiring interview. I mean, I'm music to my ears, but that's for my audience. They know that. I learned a lot of things again. And yeah, I like what you were, what you were saying. So thanks for that. Well,
1: thank you, Tom. I, I appreciated the interview. I think it's, it was a fun one. And yeah, can't wait to hear the finished
0: product. I absolutely copy you on that, Mark. So let me now turn to my audience. I hope you enjoyed the interview that Mark and I just did. And please share what your thoughts are about this episode. And if you like it and got inspired by it, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thanks for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Mark Organ, founder and executive chairman of Influitive. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode.